Jamie. And welcome back to part three of Pitbull Awareness Month here at Boston University Podcast. How is November next week already? I have no idea, but I'm I am excited. I, I'm sad for Halloween to be going so quickly, but you know how much I love the holidays. And uh, it's weird though. Time is flying and we're quickly approaching March. I know. When everything changes. Which is baby month. Baby month. For those of you that don't know. We are married and we are pregnant and expecting <laughs> in March. So we're very excited. Yes, we are. But it just seems to be like, <clears throat> it's the shortest, longest time. It's so weird. Like, I feel like the first trimester went by so quickly. I was like kind of panicking because I was like, oh my God, we have so much to do. And now that we're in the second trimester, I'm like, oh, this is inching. Like, I want my baby already. <laughs> yeah. But then you look back, it's like 21 weeks next Saturday. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. And we're going to be wrapping up spooky season with a grand finale. Oh, yeah. Um, super excited about this event. We are actually going to be doing it with, um, if you guys are on Instagram, at the Dog Moms of New Jersey. So if you're going to be on Instagram looking for her, definitely put the the in the front. So we are running this event with uh, with her. Her name is also Jamie. Spelt the same way. Spelt the same way. So weird. I think I've met maybe like two other people in my life that spelled their name the same way that I do, which is J-A-I-M-E, which is not the norm. Um, so we are putting on a doggy style trunk or treat, and it is going to be on October 27th. That's a Sunday. Um, this Sunday coming up. Mm-hmm. And it is going to be at the Mammoth Park Racetrack parking lot in Oceanport, New Jersey. So for for people that aren't, you know, from the area that want to come, there are going to be uh, food trucks. There's should be music. We're going to have a lot of vendors. And for anybody that doesn't know what a trunk or treat is, because up until this point, I did not. Um, a trunk or treat is when John had, had explained to me it kind of happened when Sandy happened. Uh, you know, everybody's houses kind of got destroyed, so there was nowhere to trick or treat at. So they came up with this idea to bring all the cars to like an empty parking lot and open up your trunks and then decorate your trunk. And then people kind of walk around, give out candy um, from their cars, which I think is like so cute and so inventive. So we're actually doing that, um, but it's going to be obviously dog style. So everyone that's going to be decorating a car should be giving out dog treats or, you know, dog products in general. Um, But it should be a really good time. Yeah, looking forward to it. We're fresh off of our second annual possum retreat. Oh my God, so much fun. A little short, but... <laughs> so we, if anybody didn't see on Instagram, we went camping this past weekend uh, with the Possum Walks crew. Uh, took a little retreat, a little time off. Everybody needed a good break. Uh, we went to Stokes State Forest. Uh, we actually went last year as well. Uh, we love it there. It's absolutely beautiful. It's very low maintenance. You know, it's it's no frills. You really, you get, you get a camping site, a place to park. You get, uh, you know, a campfire and a grill and that's it. And not even a grill. It's it's a great over the, the campfire. Um, it's so much fun. So the first night went great. All day Saturday, we just hung out and the boys went and they took one of uh, Miranda's dogs, uh, Cheyenne, on a, on a little hike. And uh, the girls kind of just hung out. We were just having a great time. And then it was getting towards, I want to say like 10, 30, 11. I was, yeah, was getting late. I was exhausted. And I know Casey was too. I think Casey fell asleep on her chair for a couple minutes. And um, I was like, you know, what? I think I'm going to head in. And literally as I said that, there was a very loud, oh from 10 feet away from us it's loud loud at first we kind of all thought that some like some other campers were like playing a a trick on us because you're telling ghost stories yes well casey wanted to learn about the jersey devil and i think she immediately regretted that decision the second that miranda started talking about it and then we had another ghost ghost story that was that was pretty creepy and literally the second i said i think i'm gonna turn in like this howl i will never get it out of my head it was so perfect it was the most perfect howl I've ever heard in my life. And it sounded like it was directly in front of us, but we couldn't see anything. We were about to be uh, dinner for a pack of coyotes. Yeah. It was definitely a coy- I think it was a coyote. What howl. else could it have been? It was too loud to be a fox. Well, then Miranda was doing some research and the coyotes in the east are very different than the ones in the west. Apparently the ones in the east are like a coyote wolf hybrid. And I'm like, well, I'm not messing with that. No, That's for no. damn sure. No, thanks. So what was funny, I mean, again, I'm pregnant. 
So when I wasn't pregnant, I was way more gung-ho about like doing crazy stuff. And now that I'm pregnant, I guess I'm just in mom mode. The second I heard this coyote howl, I was packing everything up. Well, Casey dove like headfirst into your truck. (laughs) So Casey was saying all weekend how Oakley was her boy and that if anything happens, she's got him. Because John and I were outnumbered, I guess technically kind of outnumbered um, since I'm a little injured from being pregnant. But um, we had Oakley and Opal and Opal's blind. So obviously she takes precedent when it comes to getting her places. So Casey had told me all weekend, like, oh, I got Oakley. Don't worry, blah, blah, blah. Second, this coyote howls. She ran so fast into my truck. Her car was right next to my truck. She got into my truck and left Oakley flat. (laughs) And then I'm like, where's Casey? I look, I open the door to get the dogs in and there she is in the back seat. So she apologized profusely to her boyfriend, but. Yeah, you know what? And by boyfriend, I mean Oakley. (laughs) It was a smart choice. So it was just really funny. And then like every like all the boys were like super calm trying to like find the coyote in like the woods and I'm like why are you looking for him we are leaving and everyone's standing around and I'm like I don't know what you guys are all standing around for you better start packing because it's gonna take a while and meanwhile we didn't get out of there until midnight thankfully the dogs were really good Cheyenne was definitely upset she knew something was going on so she was crying a little bit but Opal and Oakley just took my pregnancy pillow and laid in the back seat and just passed out but it took us a a, a good hour yeah and then Miranda's car wouldn't start yes uh we were using miranda's car her headlights as light to to pack everything up especially the tent because it's complicated and then we go to leave and nothing (laughs) nothing i thought everybody was going to be freaking out and i don't know if we were all just tired but everybody was so calm and you just got in the truck with the dogs took billy went down the street found campers that were still up and asked if they had anything to jump the car yeah we we didn't didn't, we didn't didn't have have anything so Thankfully, they had them like right there, which is like super weird. And, you know, within 15 minutes, we were, we were up and running again. It was just a very strange night. So, like I said, we were talking about the Jersey Devil. If you don't know the story, you should look it up because it is pretty interesting. Basically, uh, this baby was born and turned into a devil-like creature. Basically killed all of his family, and now he haunts the Pine Lands of New Jersey. Pine Barrens. Which Pine is Barrens. South Jersey. We were in North Jersey, but... yeah. But Casey wasn't playing around. Yeah. Um, so weirdly enough, as we're leaving, we're all in a group text. Kristen, oh, I forgot about this. Kristen sends this photo, and it it timestamped back to when we were talking about the Jersey Devil. Now I watched. I was like across from Kristen, so I could see her the entire time. She was literally just hanging out, listening. Was hardly on her phone, and then she sends this picture. And this picture, it's like it's like this red cloud. And it loops like around, spiraling. like spiraling, yeah. and then at the top of the red cloud, it legitimately looks like the devil's face, and then like a bluish, starry background. It's weird. It's so weird, like super creepy. If you just saw it, you'd be like, oh, it's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, it's, it's very like pretty abstract. looking. But when you're realizing that you were talking about the Jersey Devil, while well, this picture was mysteriously taken on her phone. A little sketchy. When she wasn't on her phone, a little weird. I don't like it. Good thing we left. I'm so happy that we left because we wound up coming home, got home at like what, one o'clock? Yeah, about that. And we cleaned the entire house. Well, I wasn't going to, I, I was like up then and I was good to go. Yeah. So we got to wake up on Sunday morning without any responsibilities. Yeah. Which was nice. It was nice. It was a good weekend. Um, I was in a little bit of pain. I don't know if I've mentioned this with my pregnancy. I don't know what's going on, but I have like a rib issue. Well, you've also been with your neck and back from car yes. accident last September has been really yeah. kicking your butt. Yeah. That and now has the pregnancy on top of that. You know what it is? I think because I was dealing with the neck and the back for such a long period of time, I just accepted it. But now that the rib, apparently I dislocated it and they want me to make sure that it's nothing else. But I get this burning sensation over the top of my rib. And then a stabbing in my back, like right across from it. Like someone literally take, took a knife, stabbed it through my rib in the front, and it's just poking out the back. Yeah, that's but that, and that's like. like entirely unrelated to your herniated discs and multiple injuries Absolutely. in your back and neck from your I'm just a mess. So anybody anybody who needs any advice on how to feel better, I can. I have all the tricks. So, so having a relaxing weekend and not really having to do much definitely helped me a little bit. It was a good time. It was. And I liked bonding with everybody. That's kind of cool. The first time we went last year, it was really just you, me, Billy Miranda. Because that's who we had. That was the team. (laughs) 
and look how far it's come I in, know. in a year. And we only had Oakley. Yeah, and, and we then. he was fresh. We had gotten him in August, and we End went in uh, in uh, October. He had a blast. But now his little blind sister joined us this year. But Pudge always goes to my parents' house because she's a princess and doesn't camp. She would never. Look no. at her. She's chewing her leg right now. <laughs> Just going to town. This is why you stink. Oop, I offended her. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was a really nice time. And I was actually really, I was nervous about bringing Opal because she is blind and she's only 10 months. And sometimes she gets... A little uncomfortable. Like, she just gets, you know. Nervous. She, she doesn't know where she is. Yeah, she gets whiny and needy. And yeah. she's snoring right next to me. She did good. I'm proud um, of her. She was so good. And uh, thank you to our amazing clients for being uh, so... Un- oh, she really is snoring. <laughs> for being so understanding and giving us the flexibility to be able to take... You know, for the everybody to be able to take time off. And- so nice. And you know what? Like, when people asked for this past weekend and Miranda's like, oh my God, what do I do? They were so understanding. They were like, oh my God, that's so fun. Yeah. We try and keep it fun. Yeah. And, because uh, we don't get to really see each other. But we have the best team and we have the best clients and uh, couldn't ask for anything more. I agree. Hey, Opal. We're, Opal uh, Marie. We're doing a podcast here. Opal Marie. Marie. Opal. Why can't I sleep like this? There you are. Hey, good girl. Go back to sleep. Just no snoring, okay? <laughs> now she's just... Staring. Uh, what would you even call it? Because she's obviously not staring. She can't see, but... I think she's trying to locate where everybody is and what's going on. Where am I? <laughs> all right, so anybody listening to this that doesn't, like, know us, know us, is probably like, all right, can you get to the I point know, here? sorry. <laughs> so we'll get to the meat and potatoes of this episode. Part three of our Pitbull Awareness Month series will be one of the more informational ones. Yes, I think this will be really good for, for anybody that owns a pit or anybody that has family that yes. owns a pit. And that being said... We're going to discuss how to be your dog's advocate. And in being your dog's advocate, you're then going to be an advocate for the breed. And we can all slowly chip away at the misconceptions that people have about this breed. One interaction with your dog at a time. So if you know anybody, family, friends, acquaintances that have a pit bull, share this episode with them. You could do it right from whatever app you're listening to. Share it with them. Tell them to give it a listen. You know, We could all work together and slowly chip away at this. I'm going to let you take this over. So what I really wanted to focus on with this, I think a lot of people get their perception of pit bulls and the breed in general from what they see and what they read. We can't change what they read because anybody can write anything. I mean, there could have been a German shepherd that, you know, bit somebody, but someone could easily just say, I saw a pit bull. And that's it. That's all anybody has to say to make it a big deal. So we can change what people see. That is something that we have in our pocket, something that we have the ability to change. So what I wanted to focus on today was talking about how to be your pit bull's advocate in person when you're out and about just walking down the street or maybe you're, you know, in a town and you want to go to lunch and you know that your pit can handle this. You just want to make sure that you're doing everything you possibly can to make your pit look like a freaking star pupil because people suck. And we just need to do everything that we possibly can because I was actually just reading something. Again, I think I mentioned this last episode. I'm a part of Dog Moms on Facebook. It's a group. There's like a ton of people in it. And someone was just saying that they brought their pit to, I think it was Petco. And there was a smaller dog that wasn't, that was actually barking at the pit first. And then the pit obviously barked back. And the person working there like yelled at the pit bull owner and was like, your dog needs to leave now. She's like, my dog didn't even start this. Like, my dog was perfectly fine the entire time, 15 minutes being Sounds in here. Sounds more like a PetSmart thing. It's Petco. It was Petco? Petco is usually way better than PetSmart. Yeah. PetSmart doesn't allow pit bulls because they have to protect the community. So if anybody doesn't know that and you have pit bull or you have friends that have pit bulls or love pit bulls. I think they backtracked on a statement. I think you're allowed to bring your pit now. Really? While you're doing that, I'll, I'll fact check that. Okay. But I believe that at one point they said no pit bull breeds. Yeah, they said they had to protect the community. They couldn't groom them. They couldn't be in daycare. So that's just like a, a, a great story of like how it doesn't even matter. Your pit could be an angel and the second they step the wrong way, it's because they're a pit bull. And I think it's awful, but it is what it is and we have to play the game. So what can we do as a community to change this? So I think one of the biggest thing, and actually my assistant Mary gave me this idea because, you know, I was like, you know, what what's a good thing that, you know, when you're in it, when you're making a podcast, you're like, oh, well, we have all these good ideas. But then when it comes down to picking one, you're like, well, what should we do this week? And you kind of blank. So she was like, have you done an episode on 
how to meet two dogs in public. And I was like, I think we touched on it, but nothing intense. So I want to really go into great, great detail on how to properly introduce your dog to another dog or just be in the same vicinity as another dog. So let's start off with uh, actually meeting each other. Um, If any of my clients are listening, they all know exactly what I'm going to say. You should never let your dog meet another dog face to face ever. It is a recipe for disaster. It is something that the dogs are both going to be uncomfortable with. It looks great from far away. Let's say they're 20 feet away. Your neighbor down the street that, you know, finally has their dog out at the exact same time you have your dog out. You're on, you know, you're, you're 20 feet away and they're like, hey, is your dog friendly? And you're like, yeah, my dog's pretty friendly. Or maybe you just don't know if your dog is friendly and you want to test it out. Maybe they're even a puppy. doesn't matter. You should always use proper handling skills when allowing two dogs to meet. So if you are on a street setting, this is perfect. There shouldn't be anything going on, no leaf blowing, no kids running around. It should be very, very calm. Again, you are your dog's advocate. If there is too much going on and your dog is going bonkers for some other reason, it is not a good idea. Let's say your dog is is excited. Both dogs look excited. Great. I want you to not go towards each other because that you are building so much anxiety and so much excitement, excitement, that excitement and fear actually right next to each other. It's like love and hate. So you're going to have these two dogs coming together towards each other and they're excited. They're excited. They're excited. They're meeting closer together. They're right there. And then they meet face to face and they're like, holy crap. And the first thing they're going to do most likely is one's going to hurt before they get hurt because they get nervous. So you may have some reactivity and or snapping behavior and growling because it's not it's they're uncomfortable because it was so exciting and then it got real so fast so fast because they're either pulling you and and you're like oh let's get there quicker but you're not giving them time to adapt to this new animal that's right next to them there's so many components body language smell how you're feeling at the time how the other person's feeling at the time their relationship if the other dog is protective of their person they just realized how close your dog is to their person there's so many different variables that make this very very difficult and a lot of of anxiety mixed in there so what I always tell my clients is if you want your dog to meet another dog let's say the the neighbor's coming down the street say okay I'm gonna cross the street so you're literally across the street from each other on the sidewalks Let's walk together. Let's do a pair walk, right? So we're going to walk in the same direction. Dogs are not going towards each other. They're facing forward. They're not facing each other. Now, what I usually say, if you have a more reactive dog, the more reactive dog should be in the back. If the more chill dog can go in the front, that's great. When I practice this, I always have Oakley in front because usually my training clients are obviously the ones that have the issues. So I will have him go in front because he doesn't care. He's not looking back and trying to pull me towards them because he's not a dog's dog. He's a person's dog. So uh, he likes other dogs, but he coexists. He's He's a perfect candidate for training. So have that calmer dog in front so that, and I'm not saying front, front, like literally like maybe a foot or two ahead. Just so your dog that's reacting a little bit more can kind of see that this dog doesn't really care about them and that they have the freedom and don't have to be turning around 24-7. They can walk nicely forward and still keep an eye on that dog. As your dogs come to terms with the fact that they are in the same vicinity of each other and they start to calm down a little bit, this could take up to five minutes, which there's nothing wrong with that. You need to give them the time. It shouldn't be a quick thing. And you can slowly step into the street and get closer and closer together. And I'm not saying fast. Slowly, very slowly. Because these dogs, they just need to come to terms with the fact that there is another dog here. Gain that sniff, that smell that's coming from that dog. But not so much, you know, when they're right on top of each other. Because when they first meet each other, they want to get all the smells. They want to sniff the butt. But maybe that other dog's uncomfortable with that. Maybe that dog doesn't want you near its butt because it feels really uncomfortable that you're going to nip him. Um, So you need to take all these things into account and just give your dogs a little bit more time to adapt. Um, so that is one of my biggest things that I usually tell my clients and I think it makes a huge difference. I have a ton of clients that come to me and they're like, my dog is not dog friendly and they're not even looking, 
you know, to get another dog or to play with other dogs. But walking in their apartment complex, they want to be able to walk their dog without their dog freaking out and barking at other dogs. This is a huge thing. And it's something that you should be able to get. And your dog should be able to walk in its apartment complex with no problem. So what I usually say is you need to have treats on you. Now, this is if your dog is reactive. Not saying that all your pit bulls are reactive at all. But if they are, you want to make sure that you're constantly telling them that they're a good boy or girl. This is just a starting point here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going off of like my training clients that I work with quite often. Um, So if your dog is reactive to other dogs when they see them, I want you to have treats. And I want you to tell them to look. Because that's a command that you should be working on. Your dog should know. And it shouldn't be a negative. You shouldn't be angry that your dog is reacting. Because you getting angry doesn't do anything for your dog. So don't be disappointed. Don't get angry. Don't react. I want you to be a positive Polly. I want you to say, look, you're a good boy or girl. You're fine. And you need to have that that confidence in your voice. Because you want to instill confidence in your dog. Because usually dogs... Do not bark because they're aggressive. I do not use the aggressive word. I don't like it because it's not even a real thing if you live with a dog and you wake up every day and you're breathing. Aggressive dogs want to live by themselves in the wilderness without people, without dogs. They want to be loners. You have a reactive dog. You have a dog that's scared and solely reacting on emotion. So you need to fix that emotion. You need to change the way that dog feels about other dogs by giving them confidence, which is doing look or some other commands that they that you know they know. So that builds confidence. Oh, I know this. I can do this. And they get a treat for it. They get praise. It's a great thing. Instead of every single time this dog comes around, I get yelled at. No, I get pulled back on my leash because my dad's frustrated or my mom's frustrated. And I get yelled at. Why would I like this dog or any other dog if this is what happens every single time the dog comes around? Put your mindset in that before you even leave the house. When we were camping, I found a pretty good analogy about reactivity that might be good for people that still aren't entirely grasping how it isn't aggression. Okay. When we went to get the firewood at the, at the main station, they have all these flyers, like informational stuff. And mm-hmm. one of them is obviously the Be Bear Aware flyer. Yes. And it's what to do if you encounter a bear. And you're supposed to stand your ground. You're supposed to make yourself look big by putting your arms up and waving them. And you're supposed to yell and sound like you're... You know, loud and you're big and you oh. want to scare them away. Oh. Meanwhile, you're going to be pooping your pants. <laughs> so it's the same thing with the reactive dog. They are pooping their pants, but they know that past experiences, that if they look scary and they throw a fit and they make a lot of noise, usually what they don't want to come near them doesn't come near them. Yeah. It's so like mailman syndrome. Right. It's the same way that like if we want to scare away a bear when you're camping... And you're terrified, but you're still going to make yourself look big. You're going to make yourself look aggressive like you're going to kill the bear. Survival skills. Right. And that's what your dog's going through. That They figured it out on their own. They didn't need a bee bear wear flyer. Yeah. They figured <laughs> out what they need to do to make the things they want to go away, go away. If they were aggressive, there would be no warnings. There would be nothing. It would be Absolutely. immediately, I'm going to come kill that. And yes. they're going to lunge forward and continue. No, it's all on fear. It's totally fear-based. And I think that my a lot of clients have a lot of... They have a hard time understanding that. Why is my dog so scared? I've had them since they're eight weeks old. That has nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter when you got your dog or what you've done with your dog. Um, Socialization needs to be constant and consistent forever. You cannot socialize a dog just for the first two months. What happens is, I see this all the time. People get a puppy in the summer. Everything's great. Oh, for uh, the first four months, they're socialized. They go to the park. They do this. Then winter comes. Nobody leaves the house. Dog doesn't leave the house because you're not trekking them all over the place. Now, after winter's over, now they're eight months, right? You're ready to go out. It's around March, April-ish. They're now getting older. They're also not in the puppy stage anymore for the most part. Some, some puppies are forever puppies, but other puppies... They're ready to be adults. They act more mature. They have their confidence. They think what they think about the world. And all of a sudden, you just took this dog that was just hibernating for four months and threw them into a social situation, expecting them to be okay again. And that's just not how it works. So then we get shocked and we're like, oh my God, why is why is my dog being so reactive? Because they had no socialization for four months. And now they're at an age where they can react and they feel the need to. 
right? When the normal for them is them and their family, no other dogs. Mm-hmm. When they see another dog, it's a very not normal situation. They're uncomfortable now. So they're going to react. Um, so that's what I kind of want everybody to grab their, their heads around is just understanding your dog a little bit better when you're out in public. What can you be doing as a parent to be helping them act better? I'm thinking solely of Luna right now, my client in uh, in the other side of, of Keyport. Um, she's like this little Aussie, Borgy mix. She's tiny. She's little, but she's, you know, she's really cute and sweet. And she's got a really nice personality. Like She's a sweet dog. She loves people. She loves attention. When they walk her around the apartment complex and she sees a dog, she goes crazy. Like they are so embarrassed when it happens. Like she's like this little thing. It's not like they can't hold her. It's just everyone else is walking their dogs. There's people in the pool doing this, doing that. And they're like, oh my God, like she can't enjoy herself out here. So they dread walking her. Fast forward to two months later when after working with Oakley, first time I had her meet Oakley, Oakley came out of the truck. She immediately started barking, going crazy. Oakley just walked right in front. I had mom take Oakley. I took Luna. Luna came up the rear. She was barking, barking, barking. And I knew the second that she was able to just sniff Oakley's tush, she was going to calm down. I knew it. Second she got close, you know, you watch for body language. Again, I've, I've been doing this for a while, so I know what to look for and I know how to hold a dog where the other dog doesn't get hurt. Um... And not saying every single dog will do what Luna does. You have to watch body language and just understand this dog in general. So she came up, sniffed Oakley's butt, and she was fine. She calmed down instantly. No barking. I mean, she was definitely really still excited and like like pulling and, and lunging a little bit, but nothing like she was when she was further away from him. There needs to be really good interaction the first time so if Oakley's face is not near her face making her nervous even if he doesn't even do anything it doesn't matter that closeness could have totally freaked her out and made her nip him so that's what we like to avoid so she got to smell the butt he wasn't smelling her butt they weren't circling each other he was walking forward it was a way better uh experience for her and even mom and dad were like we've never done that with her before and I'm like no because it's not a normal thing that people on their own do so if we could just make this more of a norm when it comes to dogs meeting each other we're going to have a lot more success and your dog is going to surprise you how great they can be once their insecurities are lessened and that goes for both dogs so let's say their dog does not have reactivity the the person we're talking about anybody listening yeah that's using this podcast uh-huh. as a resource yeah if their dog does not have reactivity, which is highly possible, yep. how else can they be an advocate for their dog? Obviously, there are situations that they could avoid. Somebody coming up on them with their dog. Yes. Assuming your dog is friendly. So this just happened to you and I. Do you remember we went to the Keyport Musical Festival? Um, we were literally standing there. Um, John and our best friend Doug just got a cup of beer and we were just enjoying being there we just got there the dogs were still excited because you know we had just we, we out all three of them and they were just like oh like bopping around whatever this guy came over with a probably a dog that was a little bit smaller than oakley on a retractable leash big dog on a retractable leash i'm not even gonna go there that's all i'm gonna say and about two feet away he said to john is he friendly and john said Yes, he's friendly, but it's not always so great on leash when we're stagnant. What did this man do? This man did not care what John said at all and just let his dog come right up and meet Oakley. And I literally said in my head, I was like, did he not hear him or does he just not care? Or is it both? And it was very frustrating for me and I'm standing there. I'm, I have Opal and I'm like, oh my God, okay. So this dog is sniffing Oakley's butt and I'm trying to hold Oakley's head towards me so he doesn't whip around. Because I don't want there to be a problem. So I'd rather this dog, if he's friendly, just sniff Oakley's butt and Oakley just get through it for that moment. And I could tell Oakley was getting uncomfortable. He was getting stiff. Yeah, well, he was, the dog was lifting Oakley up like a, like a wheelbarrow, <laughs> like putting his head under his legs. It's rude. And like, if I just said that to you, why are you not listening? Like, why are you letting your dog do, like, it's not, just because your dog is dog friendly doesn't mean that that makes you a good dog owner. Like, you weren't a good dog owner right there. Like, you literally did not listen to somebody who said that their dog was probably going to get uncomfortable by your dog. 
And that means that you're putting your dog in a bad spot, a.k.a. you're a bad dog owner. And I feel like in that situation, I failed him because, yes, I, I initially said, yeah, he's friendly, but, you know, this, you know, certain situations, bigger dogs. But then when the guy advanced and allowed his dog to start sniffing, I should have immediately, knowing Oakley, I should have immediately pulled him from that situation and said, I think it's best if we didn't do this. You know, there's no need. They were just passing yeah. in the street. No, it's I not totally like we were understand. hanging out with somebody. So that's where I could have been a it better advocate so for my It happened so quickly, dog. though, because I could have done the same thing, and I didn't either. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just kind of held his... I didn't want to be rude. It, it, there's always that awkwardness of not wanting to be rude. But then the second that Oakley did get uncomfortable, I said, all right, we're done now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and it's just... But we didn't even need to, like... It His dog got did to not that. need to meet our dog. No. We were passing each other in the street. Yeah. And that's where... Oakley didn't show any interest in this dog. That's where you... He never shows interest in any dogs. Well, that's not true. He's a loner. No, that's not oh, true. There are some... Like, there are some dogs he like wants to... He like literally puts his nose out to get a whiff. If they're like further in the distance. He's like... smells so looks, good. Looks pretty. <laughs> um, but especially when your dog is a pit. You have people who... Yeah, their dogs are friendly, but they have no manners. Yes. There's when, a difference between do- being dog friendly... Like, and being well-mannered and being friendly. And most of the dogs that are dog-friendly are not well-mannered. I agree. It's so a free-for-all. Those are the dogs that are going to get themselves bit or, you know, they're going to have the dog that they're messing with growl at them or show teeth. And then it's your dog's fault. So if you have a pit and you have somebody coming up on you, even if your dog, like Oakley, is friendly, Oakley shows teeth when he's uncomfortable. He mm-hmm. growls when he's uncomfortable. He communicates how he's feeling. And we never yell at him for that. Because he needs to be able to tell us. Because if you if you yell at him for that, you take away his desire to growl, his desire to show teeth, and he's just gonna jump right to the conclusion mm-hmm. and bite. Yep. So you gotta allow them to have that communication. Never, ever, ever yell at your dog for communicating in public. As your dog's advocate and as a pit bull owner, you need to be ready for situations like this and immediately remove your dog from that situation if one, there's no need for the interaction. Now, it's not like you're meeting up with friends and yeah. you need your dogs to get along. If it's just walking down the street, there's nothing to gain from your dog having a new friend for five seconds if that dog is all in their face, is rude. Because the second your dog gets uncomfortable with the situation and growls a little, that person's going to go tell everybody else they see that day, oh, we, we ran into a pit bull on the street and he growled at her. She was being so friendly. I don't understand. Just growled at her. I don't get that breed. Yep. So you need to be an advocate for your dog and don't allow them to get into situations where when you can identify that the other dog has no manners, communicate clearly and be persistent. It's okay to be rude if you're protecting your dog and you're keeping your dog out of a situation where they're going to be permanently scarred for life or they're going to make themselves look bad or make the breed look bad. And you just want to keep them happy, keep them out of uncomfortable situations. Yep. So that's another way you could be your dog's biggest advocate. I like what you just said, though. Like, so for those five seconds that this could be an inappropriate meet for your dog, you could scar them long term when you should have just spoke up, but you didn't want to be rude to that person that you just met and will probably not befriend at all or say no and have your dog consistently have really good reactions and experiences with other dogs that you had full control over so you really have to like weigh those options like you don't want to be rude and I totally get that it's it's uncomfortable because I used to be in the same position now and now I just don't care but in the beginning like you're just like oh my god I don't want to be rude it's my neighbor blah blah it does not matter your dog comes first and this is something that I think people take on and they don't even realize what they're taking on when you when you do get a pit you are taking on a responsibility you really actually like all of your actions and all of your dog's actions help mold or you know kind of continue this stereotype that we have about pits so when you make the right choice and and you speak up you are advocating and you are fixing the problem you are not allowing for the ridiculousness to continue and that's what you need to keep reminding yourself you're not being rude you are changing so much and you can say, you can speak up and say, listen, I don't, I don't really like my dog meeting like that. Um, it usually doesn't work out better. If you want, we can do a pair walk, but if not, that's okay. You know, I don't really like stagnant meeting. And communicate that. There's nothing wrong with that. And the person doesn't understand, whatever, walk away. 
moving away from that topic, because I think meeting on leash is definitely something that people struggle with and don't know how to do correctly. Sometimes you want to bring your dog out into public. I'm, I'm like thinking Asbury Park. A lot of people like to bring their dogs to Asbury Park. A lot of people with dogs live in Asbury Park. So just walking down the street in general. If your dog is barking or the other dog is barking, be proactive. Always have treats on you. There's no reason why you shouldn't. A lot of people, I say, oh, I don't want to always have treats on me. It's just good practice. You're going to be helping your dog in the long run be a better dog. So having treats on you, it's it, it's not... It's not for, you know, you to be like, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to have to have a dog that I still need treats for them to listen to me. Get your mindset out of that because there, this is so much bigger than that. Your dog needs help during these times and whatever you can do until your dog can get to the point where your dog literally doesn't care. Like a dog can be barking at Oakley. He never, ever reacts, ever. He's not a vocal dog. He hardly ever barks. Um, he barks like when people come home. That's it. So he's not a, he doesn't react back. So if you have a dog that doesn't react back, okay, fine. Then maybe you don't need treats, but if they're uncomfortable, maybe you should. And you can see it on their faces that they're uncomfortable. But if you, if a dog that's barking, it's okay to have treats on you. There's nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't feel like a bad dog mom or a bad dog dad because you need treats for your dog to calm down. You are changing the way they feel long-term so they can react differently in the future. So No yelling, no, you know, leash popping or pulling them back, trying to get their attention doesn't help. I want you to tell them to look, say their name. If they don't look at you, that's okay. As if you can get that food in their mouth, you are making a difference in those brainwaves. Those brainwaves are saying, oh, I'm eating something really good. Even though I'm not looking at mom and not paying attention, I'm eating something as I am looking at a dog that I am uncomfortable with. So if you can get food in their mouth, you're making a difference. Now, if your dog is not reacting and the other dog is, I want you to still have your dog look at you, maybe sit and just go through some great commands that they know while this dog is barking at them. Because you have you have your dog, your dog's not going anywhere and you want to keep them confident and you want them to know you're a good boy, you're a good girl, you're not doing anything, you're doing great in this situation. I think a lot of times, and I say this to my clients all the time, we forget to praise when they do the right thing. We always, always let them know when they're doing something wrong, but we always forget to tell them that they're doing something right, even if they didn't do something wrong to start. So if your dog is acting really great in a situation and you're really happy with it, but you forget to tell them, you miss such an opportunity to let them know, this is exactly what I wanted, great job. Let them know you did good. Not just when they're doing something bad and then they do something good. It's, 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 it's a very big difference and it, it does help them. My next thought is things like prong collars are not accessories. Nope. They're not. What it is is a training tool. That's it. It's not supposed to be an everyday collar. It's not supposed to be something you walk your dog on. Every day. It It's a training tool that has its place in certain training curriculums, it does not have its place in our training curriculum because we have much better, kinder, gentler approaches that work better than that. Mm-hmm. But it's a training tool. Yeah, it looks like, you know, flashy to have the, the shiny silver around their neck and some of them will flip it inside out. It's not helping your dog. Mm-mm. All you're doing is making your dog look more aggressive, especially on a prong. The only thing that people are going to think is, all right, well, that dog can only be walked on a prong collar. Because that dog is hard to control. And there's much better. I would so much rather see your dog on one of the easy walk uh, harnesses like Opal's. She's got this purple one that's, it's actually called Bling, right? Yeah. And it like sparkles. Or, um, you know, there's more masculine ones if your dog's a boy. But stop using prong collars as accessories. They're not, they, if you wear them inside out, they will fail very easily. If you wear them the other way, there are studies that show long-term damage to the trachea and the carotid arteries. And again, they will break under enough pressure. And it's just it just makes your dog look like they don't have manners, that they need to be controlled mm-hmm. with pain. If you want your dog to look tough, that's fine. You do your thing. Remember Bruno's collar? Yes. I was just going to say tough. that. Yes. John had a Boston Terrier growing up and his name was Bruno and he had a black leather collar that had spikes on the outside. It never touched him, and they never hurt anybody. Spikes like a like the, a spiky leather jacket. Yes, 
It was so cute. So he looked tough. But I was also thinking about, do you remember we went to Home Depot about two years ago? And there was this beautiful blue pit. He was a little low rider. He was chunky. And this couple just adopted him. And they had him on a harness that was leather. And it had the spikes. Yes. And he walked beautifully on this nice harness that did not hurt him. But he did. He They were they had tattoos. They had different colored hair. Like They were like a really cool, like goth couple and they had this really cool pit with this beautiful leather nice jacket it was it. it was so cute i was like oh my god where did you get that i forget where she got it but he was the sweetest thing do you know what i mean like yes it made him look tough but at the same time i wasn't i wasn't like oh my god that pit you know what i mean when i see prong collars it makes me so angry because it's like there's probably so many other options that you can walk this dog on and you just choose not to I find it to be very ignorant because there are so many options, but you're just choosing this one because you're choosing to be lazy and not train your dog. Well, if it's ignorance, it means that they're not aware of other options. True. So, yeah, I get it. You go to the store and the first thing most people are going to say is, oh, just get a prong collar. They won't pull anymore. It Mm -hmm. stops it immediately. Yeah. Who doesn't want a quick fix? This is a microwave society. I would like to state. People love things now. That we are pretty much one of the only countries that really use prong collars. I actually read a study that there's like like in uh, Scandinavia and all different countries. They, not that I approve this either, but their dogs are so well behaved because they took the time to positively train them that they walk around with flat belt collars attached to leashes, but they don't pull, so it's not a problem. These, I mean, these people literally walk around with leashes in hand, but they're not even around their wrists. They're just holding the leash because these dogs are so well trained. They are so, these people have taken the time to socialize their dogs in social situations where they don't have to worry about their dog. They don't have to because this dog has been in this environment forever and it's not something that they just did willy-nilly. We choose to go with prong collars, not correct them properly in public, not help them get through these scary situations, and it just gets worse. Prong collars are the fast food of, of dog training. Wow. You said it's primarily used in North America because that's our society. Like I said, it's a microwave society. People don't want to wait for a delicious meal in the oven. Mm -hmm. They want to stick something in the microwave and it be ready in a minute and a half. And they don't even have time for it to cool off. They leave two seconds on the microwave. That's the culture that we've bred. So then these things take off because they're quick fix training tools. But you need to understand, even if you're using, uh, like I said, I see a lot of times people flip them inside out. So the prongs are just sticking out. They're now not what? Touching do they neck. do that for aesthetics? I can only imagine that they're now it's just the collar and they don't want it to pinch anymore because their dog's learned. But they want to keep the collar on because their dog knows that that collar can do that. Uh-huh. Or they just want to accessorize. But you have, that's one another thing as an advocate for your dog, you have control over how they are perceived initially that first impression and when you choose to go the route of shock collars and prong collars it just looks like you can't handle your dog it looks like your dog is so misbehaved that they need to be hurt or punished to act like rest of society yep and nine times out of ten they don't work do you remember that one the one couple we saw younger couple it was right before we moved to keyport and this couple was walking around the uh walking along the waterfront the boyfriend had two dogs. He had a Doberman and he had a pit. I just got so angry because I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> and then this girl was behind him and she had what looked like to be a younger pit. She had him on a prong. She was so awful to this dog. I followed her. The ent- I, I looked and so she's a, creepy. A skinny little, she's probably like 90 pounds. Oh, yeah. Soaking wet. Yeah. But she was nasty. She was a nasty little thing. And I followed her and I didn't even care because I was like, I need to see what the hell she's doing to this dog. She was leash popping him. With a prong collar. With a prong collar. He wasn't even pulling. He wasn't. She wanted him right next to her leg. He was maybe like a half a foot in front. The second he would advance past her. We watched this girl the whole waterfront because I was waiting for her to do something. It's like a what? Like a half a mile? Maybe less? Yeah. Yeah. It's about a half mile. She was so mean to him so mean to him and i literally was like oh my god what is she doing why is she doing this to him the leash pop she at one point lifted his front paws uh-huh. off the ground with with the hanging t- by his prong with collar. the prong collar i was like in tears and i think at one point i did say i was like how about you stop choking your you dog did. and, then and she, started she cursed me out <laughs> she cursed me out 
But that's... I think she told me to go suck something. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a children's show. Yes. <laughs> um, but it was it was just, like, mortifying. Because then her boyfriend, like, didn't do anything. Like, he's just... Clearly, she runs the show because he looked terrified of her. And I was just like, I feel so bad for this dog. Because if this is what she does in public... What does she do behind closed doors? Do you doors? know what kind of lasting damage you can do to your dog by leash popping and mm-hmm. hanging them with yep. a prong collar? Yep. How stupid do you need to be? Yep. But it's it goes back to us as humans wanting the quick fix and thinking that if we get nasty and we yell that we're going to get the results that we want. I mean, I have... You know, when I first go to my clients and they're trying to teach their dog how to walk properly and they get upset, their dog sees a squirrel or a kid or a bike or something and they immediately, ears are up, body posture is up, they're, you know, lunging forward, trying to pull and the owner goes, hey! And I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you yelling? Hit them with the Caesar Milan. All the time. Karate chops them in the ribs. in your dog. Stop that. Because they have no idea what that means. You're literally getting their attention for five seconds. And then he goes right back to what he's doing. So when people do that, it gets, I'm like, you need to stop that. Because when you do something wrong and someone wants you to learn long term, do they just say, hey, and that's it? That's it. That's it. Just no. Walk away. No, you get, you get a talking to. Hopefully you get some motivation to do better next time. But we need, we need to help them. You yelling at them and saying, hey, we pull... We pull the collar back so they can see us. They're like, hey, and we're in their face. It does nothing. Nothing. All they know. It activates their freedom reflex. All they know is that you're pissed and whatever they were reacting to is there. So they associate you yelling at them with the thing that they were trying to kill. So you're making their reactivity worse and you don't even realize it. So please, for the love of God. Do me a favor as a trainer. Make my job 10 times easier so you don't have to call me. And just be sweet to your dog on walks and try to get their attention in a sweet way and just talk to them. I even have dogs who are reactive and they don't actually do anything, but I can see the reactivity on their face. And if you just talk to them, oh, you're a good boy. Who's the best boy? You're so handsome. I have all the names in the book. Their body, you can see their body relax. You see the ears lower. You see the shoulders soften. I want you to practice this. I want you to try it. I have one family that has two really reactive dogs inside the house, just like Pudge. Pudge doesn't make a peep outside because she knows that she's tiny. So inside the house, she acts like she's 80 pounds. What we like to do and what I've been doing with my other clients is if they're at the window, don't even make them look at you. That's the next step. I just want you to talk nicely to them. I want you to say, oh, Millie, you're a good girl. Millie, you're the best. And she's going to be like, what? Oh, that's nice. And it's going to be while she sees the mailman. And she's going to be like, oh, I'm getting praise when I see the mailman. Mailman can't be that bad. After a week, if you do that every single time the mailman comes and she gets praised, just telling her that she's a good girl. Like, oh, I don't really mind the mailman. I get tons of praise when this guy comes Can't around. Can't wait till he gets here. Do you know what I mean? It's it's so simple. But no, we mail don't, myself a letter. We d- <laughs> oh stop it. Uh, we don't think about how they're perceiving life. They don't have logical thinking. They do not have cause and cause and effect. And I get it when it comes from a client that's like, I don't know why our dogs do this. They've had nothing but love. They've never been beaten. They've never had a bad day in their life. This has nothing to do with what you have done as, as a, a parent. You just need to get that out of your system. There's learned behavior and then there's DNA behavior. There's behavior that comes from um, parents that, you know, their parents that gave birth to them, like all those experiences and all those traits get passed down. I mean, Pudge is a prime example. Pudge was with us since she was two, three weeks old. She's, again, never known a bad day in her life. She is spoiled beyond belief. And she still has hoarding behaviors. She will take a pig ear and try to stick it into the couch. She was only two weeks old when she was in that hoarding house. She knows nothing of trying to, to keep food to herself. She never had to fight, but her relatives did. So these things get passed down. Her reactivity is passed down because, again, never's known. she has never known a bad day in her life. So you need to just take into account that this is the way that your dog is and what can you do now to help them. Don't think backwards of what did you do wrong because that doesn't help us now. 
All right, so before I wrap this up, I wanted to double back to our conversation about PetSmart before. Yes. I wanted to get the facts straight. Oh, yes, let me hear it. I want to be transparent. So this is back in 2014. Pitbulls and Pitbull-type dogs were allowed to go to the store on leash, but they weren't allowed to be in like their daycare, the grooming, anything else. They weren't allowed to, especially the daycare where they were off-leash. Mm-hmm. They were they were banned. I can't find it now. I, I can only of find course. excerpts from other from other people, you know, sharing articles about it. But word for word, the dogs that were excluded from daycare were pit bull terriers, American pit bull terriers, American Staffordshire terriers, Staffordshire terriers, American bulldogs, or mixed breeds that have the appearance of characteristics of one of these breeds. Doesn't even need to be them. It could just be any combination. That of even dogs looks a little bit. That happens to look like a pit. Wow. Because we've seen that before. Plenty so of, ignorant. Plenty of dogs that look like pits and then we find out later look on. Look at Opal. They get DNA tested and there's not a drop of any of these breeds Opal in there. Opal literally looks like a purebed, kinda, purebred most, pit. She is a Catahoula leopard mix. Most of them, they kind of look like pits. Yeah. Uh, so, to wrap everything up, um, how can you be the best advocate for your pit or your dog in general? If you don't have a pit, this still applies to you. Eliminate reactivity. So, if your dog is reactive, chip away at that reactivity. Start doing little training sessions with yourself. Avoid dangerous, unnecessary encounters like Oakley had in Keyport. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're the trainers and we, even we need to step up. Yep. We need to do, because sometimes we're you just get human. lax. You don't, you want to avoid uncomfortable situations for yourself by telling the people no and putting your foot down. But by avoiding the un- uncomfortable situation for yourself, you're creating the uncomfortable situation for your dog. So avoid those situations and encounters if they're not necessary. Yes. Keep treats on you. Praise when they do the right thing. Not just punish them for the wrong thing and then correct them when they finally get it right. Yes. Praise them the first time, even when they're not even trying to please you. When they go off to the side and, and grab a nylon bone and start chewing it without yes. you telling them. We always tell Opal when she goes and lays down and plays by herself. Good girl. She's a good girl. Yeah. Good job. Proper hardware. Stop accessorizing with aversive training tools. It's not cute. It's not cool. Try an easy walk harness. You want something cute or cool? Find them a cool sweater, especially in the winter. There's all kinds of dog sweaters out there. Yep. Accessorize with something that is not going to make them look scary. It's not going to make them uncomfortable. And it doesn't make them look like they have zero manners and need to be handled like a beast. Yeah. And then finally, positivity, positivity, positivity. Thank you. Keep it positive. Yes. If your dog isn't the nicest, friendliest dog, and not because of their breed, but because of their life experiences, you can change that. And just remember, like, as mom and dad, you hold so much ability to change the way your dog acts you don't realize that all of their emotions can be changed by you only you as a trainer I can only do so much they don't live with me my dogs live with me if you tell them every single day when I'm not there that they're a good dog in situations that they're normally scared in you're going to change that you not me I'm just giving you the tools to get there I'm training you to train your dog you have so much ability to do and make difference for your dog. So please try it. it. It takes a few minutes a day to just change your demeanor because it takes so much more energy to get angry mm-hmm. than it is to just put a little bit more effort and be a little bit more cheery. So if that applies to you, the ball's in your court. That's all we have for this lesson. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars, leave us a review, share with somebody who you think would benefit from this information or might just enjoy listening to it. That really helps us, especially your reviews and especially when you share. It helps us reach new people that we can get our information out to. You can find us on Instagram at Paulson University and check out at Paulson Walk. See what we're doing over there. That's our pet care business. Mm-hmm. All of our employees are out of and uh, support them. Find us on Facebook. We have a, like I said a couple episodes ago, we have our dog, Possum University Dog and Puppy Owner Support Group. It's open for anybody now. It was, yes. it used to be exclusively to clients. To clients. It was the Possum University Alumni Group, and we opened it up to everybody. It's got about 300 members in it right now, and it's growing. You could uh, head over to www.thepossum.shop and check out T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, all the good stuff. And then check out the show notes for our favorite dog training tools and toys. Or you can go to postuniversity.com forward slash recommended. That's recommended with two M's because that's a tr- tricky word sometimes. <laughs>
And I know there was something on there you wanted to highlight. Yes. So I, as a trainer, I mean, you go through treats like crazy, especially just in general, having three dogs, trying to find a dog treat that is really healthy and not full of crap and that you can get in bulk and not have to spend a ton of, I mean, you go through bags like crazy. I mean, these bags are like what, five, six ounces each. Yeah, and five, six dollars each. It's ridiculous. And on the minimum, some of them are twice that. Yes. Twice that are the ones that are like really good quality treats. So um, I recently kind of went on Amazon and was looking around trying to find a bulk treat that is on the better side and that I can use long term for my clients and I know that the product is good. I stumbled upon Stewart's. Um, they are, they have a bunch of different flavors and proteins that they use, but they are dehydrated, um, treats. Their most popular is the liver treats. And that's the ones that I use. It's just straight up liver and there's, there's no preservatives. There's, you know, nothing in it that you wouldn't give your dog and that you would have to like, when you're getting like the, the soft treats that I do use frequently, you have no idea what's really in them. I mean, you can look through the ingredients. There's a ton of stuff on there that I don't even know. A lot of corn. Yeah. A lot of, uh. Just stuff. Just that, fillers. Just filler stuff. Yes. Um, but meat flavor. Yes. The the liver, the dehydrated liver treats, I know exactly what I'm getting because it's right there. Um, my suggestion if you do get them, it's, it comes in this big tub. And I think it's it's usually around twenty five to thirty dollars, depending on what Amazon is doing at that time. Yeah, it, it varies. Right yes. now it's twenty nine fifty three, but you get, like you said, a big twenty one ounce tub. And when you're thinking about dehydrated treats, mm-hmm. It takes a lot to get to 21 ounces because yes. they could basically float in the air. Yes. Um, so you get a lot in there. Yes. They do come a little bit bigger. They come probably about an inch by inch square. Mm-hmm. It says here that there's 475 pieces per tub. Yes. That's what I like to do is actually take a knife, like a butter knife, and cut them into fours. So I'm taking one treat and making it four because with training, I mean, I don't need to give them these big treats. I give them tiny ones. So that, so. that would equal... Like 1,900 treats. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I love them. I like the liver ones. They've got turkey, wild salmon, chicken. Hi, Opal. <laughs> what else they got on there? They have wild salmon, chicken breast, chicken liver, duck liver, lamb liver, turkey liver, cheddar cheese, and beef liver. Yes. So... There's so many different options that you can grab. Um, some of them are a little bit more expensive. I think the wild salmon's a little bit more. Obviously, fish is is probably your best bet. But it sounds like you're strangling your microphone, but it's just Opal getting a little close to you there. Yeah. Um. <laughs> all right. Enough now. That's our new go-to treat. So if you are interested in that, head over to PostUniversity.com forward slash recommended. Scroll on down to you find Stewart's freeze-dried liver treats. Also, I do the subscription, so I get it once a month. Yeah, well, you, I, you use them for training. I don't think anybody's going to burn through that many. But you can do months on there, but you still get it for cheaper. So you get it for like 5, 10, 15% off, depending on what the offer is. And if you want to get it, if you know it's going to take you three months to get through it, then just put it on there as you're subscribing to it for every three months. I think somewhere in the, uh, in the posting, it does say that they're grain-free. And that's because they are grain-free because it's just liver. Yeah. But don't get that confused with grain-free dog foods, which we talked about a couple episodes ago that were that was causing that canine dilated cardiomyopathy. Yeah. Because um, it's grain-free regardless. That's, <laughs> that's That grain-free diet thing that's causing the heart issues is because the starch source that they're using, which would be potatoes or uh, legumes, stuff like that, that is what's causing this block in the absorption of taurine. They're not exactly sure why yet. But it's not related to the fact that there's an absence of grains. It's related to the what they're using in place of the grains that's causing the problem. Yes. So something like this where a grain-free dog treat, it's liver. So I would certainly hope that there's no, no grain in there. Yes. So don't let that scare you. I know that now that's a big buzzword that gets everybody alarmed. It's fine, especially as a treat. Yes. So I would de- we definitely recommend that. This is not an ad. They're not paying us to do this. I wish they were. Yep. Um, this is just we like to every now and then throw out something new that we're trying. So we're really happy with these. Like you said, we get almost 2000 treats in a $30 container, which is when you're running a training company. Yes. You burn through treats like a wildfire. Yes, I do. So if you're interested, you want to check those out. Uh, we posted them to our website. They're also in the show notes. 
Um, just if you're an Apple podcast, go to your Apple podcast screen while you're playing this. Swipe up to get to our show notes on this episode and look for the link postuniversity.com forward slash recommended. Like I said, scroll down. It's about halfway down, I think, is the Stewart's freeze-dried liver treats. We're, uh, we're really happy with them, and they're 29.53 at the time recording this, which is October 22nd. So that's all we have for this episode. Um, reminder, we release new episodes every Tuesday, usually after 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So subscribe this way you get notified. Leave us a review, five stars, share with a friend, and thanks for listening. Until next week. Class dismissed.